last time that we talked, you and I talked about the fears, the insecurities, the anxieties that can come with starting something. Yes. And I feel maybe like I'm still in the midst of it a little bit, and I would imagine that you might too. But a difference between you and I is that your thing is now out in the world, named and existing and open for business, which is pretty cool. So, Joe, you are now the founder, creator, runner, and operator of Procourse. Pro course. That's a pretty it's a pretty good name. I'm into it. You like that? I really struggled with that name at first. Yeah, I like it. A development team dedicated to discourse builds. Is that the good definition? I would say that's the base of it, yeah. Like that's the yeah. crux of the whole thing is we we specialize in the whole development and consulting around discourse. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nuts how many different aspects integrate with discourse I've found. Mm. The weird number of like homemade applications that some companies have put together and WordPress stuff. I mean, there's just a ton of things that we've had to build. But yeah, it all revolves around discourse in some way. That's very cool. Like we were talking about last time, this is stuff that you were doing alone. Right. But you've you've really defined it now and you've you've turned it into its own entity. Right. You are no longer Joe the discourse developer. You are Joe, operator of Procourse. I'm looking at your tagline, building stable, long-lasting websites and communities. That's a great way of thinking about it. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I've had a few people ask me about like why I wanted to do this. Actually, it was a, a contractor that I was trying to hire and have not succeeded at. So you know who I'm talking to if you're listening to this. I still want you on my <laughs> team. So, <laughs> But okay. the question that he posed to me is, why am I building Procourse? And it, well... Part of it's just because that's the next step to grow a business and and just continue to build on that. But at the same time, like that stable, long-lasting bit, that has a lot to do with my experience and how I've gotten or how I've received clients in the past. Uh, because it's a fairly large number of clients that come to me because they got burned on some other developer that <laughs> took their first half payment and ran away. Right. So you know, there's a fair amount of that out there and I'm hoping to combat that a little bit. So that's that's where some of that comes from. Let's talk a little bit about the concept of Procourse. Where where'd okay. the name come from? I was trying to figure out how to incorporate discourse into the name of course. somehow without using discourse. <laughs> so Right, right. I yeah, was like, yeah. well, what other three-letter words could I throw on the front of course to get it somewhere? And there there are very few that you can do that with. Mm. I ran across. And, you know, when I was working with the designer for it, I was trying to find something that felt professional. And that's, yep. you know, the more times I used the word professional, the more I realized, oh, pro, pro. makes sense on it. So. That is the sum total of it right there. <laughs> and you got, a, you got a nice logo developed? Yeah, the gal that did that. Uh, did it very quickly, but at the same time, I feel like she nailed it. So yeah, it's great. It's kind of a chat bubble of sorts. It's a combination of things. So it's kind of a chat bubble. Yeah, kind of alludes to a code conversation of some sorts. But yes, the brackets are primarily code driven. So it's kind of a combination of all of those. So us having conversations, building conversational tools, and writing code all incorporated into one itty bitty icon. It's kind of cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Any any uh, rhyme or reason behind the colors, or are they just good colors? I liked them whenever I saw them on the, <laughs> the design. Like, okay, I'll run with that. I, I, okay, I'm okay. not one who really spends a lot of time on that. I feel like I would rather hire people who 
are good at what they do and just trust them. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of my MO on that sort of thing. Well, I mean, it's interesting though that you say that, but at the same time, you are a person that has like built this from the ground up, which is really neat. You could have continued to just be a personality, Joe, and be a developer, but I think it's interesting that you chose to turn it into a, a business with a name and Twitter profile and nice logo and all that kind of stuff. There's something, maybe we talked about this, maybe we didn't, but there's there's something to do with the level of clients that you work with. Because mm-hmm. I've noticed this already. I told the world about this uh, about a week ago as we're recording this. And in that like five, six day span, I have received close to 500 emails. Wow. Extra on top of what I normally would have received over this. And there's a lot of them that are just, uh, you know, Go Joe sort of things, which are really kind of a cool. Mm-hmm. There's a number of them where I, I realize I'm doing something that other people wish they had done and they are not happy that I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there, there's a fair number of those out there, but that's kind of to be expected. Uh, but then there's quite a few of them where this is a company that normally would not reach out to a freelancer because there's a little bit of risk involved to them to reach out to a freelancer to do some work. Right. But because this is a technical company and it's a team that they get to hire in order to do the work, they're a lot more comfortable with it, which means that in a very short amount of time, and it's already continuing to grow, but the size of client that I'm working with has continued to get bigger as well. Mm. So it's it's kind of interesting how that shift has been made purely from going from freelancer Joe to Procourse. There's, there's quite a bit of a jump there. Yeah. So I guess... My question to you would be, is this something you're interested in doing? Because you've asked a lot of questions about this yeah. in some way or another. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, here's here's a here's a weird goal that I'll set for myself. By the time that we next record, I hope to have my own name Ooh. and branding and everything for, for something that I want to, to really get off the ground and, and make my primary focus for the next however many years. So yes, this is yeah. this is definitely something that I've been thinking about. And like I said, it's it's something that I've said before, and it's something I will say again, I am sure. It has felt oddly comforting to always feel like you've gone a bit ahead of me. Oh, good. And it, you know, you were a freelancer <laughs> before I was a freelancer, so I get to, to pick your brain and ask you questions. And now you are a business creator before I'm a business creator, and I get to ask you questions and, and all of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, I am curious about how all of this has happened. Because I think that it is in a weird way, and maybe this isn't true for everybody, but I feel like there's a certain set of people where this is the natural evolution of a freelance role. It isn't something that makes sense to do forever, to just be a freelancer and bounce from project to project. Because I think for me, and perhaps for you as well, doing freelance work helped me understand the kind of stuff, the kind of work that I wanted to do to begin with. And once I started understanding, oh, this job wasn't fun. Well, I don't want to do this kind of job anymore. This job was great. Well, what actually was it that I was doing? Oh, this job seems like the job that I loved. I want to do that. Oh, I like this job too. You know, it was it was this weird experience over the last couple of years where I kind of understood the, the kind of work that I was drawn to just by the jobs that I felt like I loved and I was really successful at. And as I kept doing it, it made me say, oh, okay, well, if I keep finding myself doing this work over and over and over again, it would make sense then to actually 
say, I am in the business of doing this kind of work, which seems like it's the same thing for you. Right. Because you, you weren't primarily or maybe exclusively a discourse developer, were you? No, no. And I wouldn't say that I am now either. Yeah, you aren't now. But, but what I, I guess what I'm saying is that there is a focus there. Right. There is a primary angle. Yes. And, yep. And it's something that you realized, wow, I'm actually very good at this. I find, that I find a lot of enjoyment out of doing this. I see a specific market for people to fill this. And I'm going to make this my primary space, which I think is, is a very neat way of coming to the end of freelancing, which again, I mean, I'm assuming that you're still going to continue freelancing. If someone gave you an interesting job that wasn't related to Procourse, you would take it, right? Yeah, and I I maintain <laughs> and just I I maintain two LLCs mm-hmm. in in the midst of all this. One is kind of my catch all, go off and do my fun side project thing, and then I use Procourse as whenever I have uh, the bulk of my team doing work on something or you know something website driven. I do it all through mm-hmm. that, but. Anything else, I I do it off the other. So I, I like to keep the two around that way. I keep my options open. What is the other one? The other one I call it H&A Tech. And it, it's kind of a generic name of sorts, but... Who's the H? Well, H&A... Well, here's a fun story. Okay. So the previous life of sorts, when I grew up, I grew up on a fairly large farm. And the name of that farm was H&A Farms. Oh. And so the H&A comes from Harlan and Anita, who were my grandparents. So that was the name of the farm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I had a very close relationship with my grandparents growing up and loved being on the farm. So whenever I was going out and starting my own freelancing business, I needed a name for it to put on the LLC, called up my dad and said, hey, could I uh, could I create like a runoff of... Run off of that name because <laughs> H&A Farm still exists and it still operates. Mm-hmm. So I just was making sure all the ducks were in a row from a legal stance of, you know, we're not going to overlap or have issues with the naming in here. And there's it's not even close. But uh, so I, I created this runoff of H&A Tech off of the H&A Farms, which is the farm I grew up on. So that's where it comes from. That's really neat. Oh, I love that. So, so H&A Tech is sort of your freelancing LLC, right. the catch-all. And then Procourse will now be this more defined LLC that has a specific business intent behind it. Correct. Yep. I I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm actually kind of finding myself in a similar position Mm -hmm. with my wife. My wife and I actually created an LLC together for some of the projects that she's been doing. And we've basically been using that as a catch-all for a while for any of the projects that don't make sense as the 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 kind of personal stuff that I'm going to be doing. So, yeah, there's it's it's funny, isn't it, that, you know, I don't know how you kind of came to all the conclusions about what you needed to do, but for me, it's sort of it was something that I had to learn every step of the way because there's not really a manual no. for how to do that. There's not a hey, you need you need multiple businesses and you need to make sure that you're protected in this way and that way and even coming from Florida to California, all of the laws and requirements surrounding how to create an LLC were wildly right. different and I had to even get used to all of that. California is is not specifically friendly <laughs> uh, for starting companies uh, on a budget. Yep. So I had to I had to get used to that very quickly. Yeah, I know in Minnesota they make it crazy simple. Like it's literally going online. If if you're after uh the LLC name, like you're literally going online filling out a form, paying them, I think it's a hundred bucks or so, and you walk away with the LLC name that you're after. Uh, the trick with that is sometimes you need to have an assumed name 
with that, which means that you can take checks mm-hmm. and such in your personal name and deposit them in the business account. And so I, I have that on both of mine as well, just so that if something weird comes up, I can operate as a single person under that business name. It's kind of a weird technicality that mm-hmm. happens. Maybe it's just in Minnesota. I don't know. But yeah, I got to love all the legal legalities of all this stuff. Yeah, it gets complicated. Was there anything challenging for you in setting all this up or was it pretty textbook? Uh, for setting up Procourse, like getting the LLC and setting up bank accounts and everything, you know, it is pretty straightforward. I mean, I ended up having to have a, the employer identification number with the, the federal government and such, but that's minor. and That didn't even cost anything. So that process was fairly painless. I would say probably the more painful part is that for me with Procourse versus H&A Tech, uh, with Procourse, I need to have some pretty I don't want to say sophisticated, but more involved contracts and agreements with my clients and contractors. So trying to get lawyers involved on that, yeah, that has been proving to be uh, not complicated. It just is detailed, So, which is good. Hmm. But at the same time, it's just a thing that needs done. All right. I have to ask you this very important, very podcast-specific question, okay. which is, have you had to change up your task management game because of this new development in your in your life? Or is it all still basically the exact same as it used to be? I would say that the uh, the pro course work that I'm doing, that is different, but everything else is the same. Does pro course get its own journal? No, it doesn't. I I like having one. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> Keeps it simple. I don't have to worry about which one I've got in my hand, but no, I keep the one and I, I still keep like individual tasks and stuff in that, but uh I do have a a private discourse instance, go figure, uh for my pro course team to operate under. So within that particular discourse instance, we manage all of the the active client projects that are going on because they everybody needs to have all of that information. So I will say there was quite a bit of tool set up that I needed to do for that. So the classic, let's get the whole 1Password team thing going and getting our personal GitHub accounts and stuff set up. And it, it kind of got to be a lot. Uh, so I have a lot of those pieces put together and all buttoned up nice and pretty, but with something like uh, a development team, something you run across very quickly is I'm having conversations with the clients. Typically in every single project, I have to have access from an admin stance to at least their discourse instance, if not the backend server that it runs on, plus potentially their WordPress site. And I need an admin account on all of those. Well. I may not necessarily be the one who's doing the work on those accounts, but I'm the one gathering that information. So that's where 1Password comes in. So I, I would say that thing has saved a lot of time and effort on our part just because I can go create the Procourse admin account on their Discourse instance, and they have access to it without ever asking. So that's saved me a lot of time yeah. right there. So now that you have this, how are you setting yourself up in the future? Are you creating goals for yourself? Are you or or for Procourse itself? Are you thinking kind of into the future about what you want to see it in one year, two years, five years, or are you taking it one day at a time right now? I don't think I'm setting goals in the sense of 
we want to accomplish a certain number of projects or hit a certain dollar amount. I, I, I don't really think of it that way. I I think I have a lot of fun just trying to solve the client's problems. Like that's <laughs> that's a lot of how I see it is they have an issue with their website or their community in some way. And it's my goal to try to, to meet that in some form. And if I have any form of goal, it has more to do with setting up structures and, and I guess, products or services of sorts that, that cover what people are asking for that aren't being served. So if I have a goal, and I'm probably not going to share what some of these are, uh, just because it c- kind of creates an open door for competitors I'm not ready for quite yet. <laughs> but, you know, there there are certain products in the discourse world that I don't feel exist at all that should. And having a team behind me, it kind of allows me to be the designer of those products. And instead of taking on a client project to have those built, I'm essentially paying the guys out of my own pocket to to build it for the the company. So building out those products and services is more what I'm geared towards right now from a goal stance, I guess. But I don't really have anything from a dollars and like a number stance. I don't really have anything like that. Maybe that's lame. <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, I, I don't think it's lame. I just think that it's something to think about when you transition from freelancing to business operating. Yeah. Because as you say, you know, you've used the phrase again and again, my team. And one of the things that we talked about last episode was just how daunting it can be to have a team behind you. Right. I have been thinking about that and just the sense of what does it look like to ensure that whatever I do create will be successful? Because as a freelancer over the last few months, you know, if I don't have work, that is hurting nobody but me. And if I find work, I can say yes or say no. Because it's only me. But once you change that a little bit, things get more challenging. Even though you don't have like specific goal set up, it still seems pretty clear that you have a path forward that you're pretty present minded about. Right. And you know what you'll be you'll be going after. So I, I think that that is what you needed to do. And I mean, you, you've shifted away from that over the last year or so, right? I mean, man, I can I can never remember the number, whatever it was, the 12 week, the 10 week. The 12-week year? 12-week year, yeah, there it is. Yeah. You, you were doing that for a while, but it seems like that isn't something that's a major priority for you now. So that it seems like you're kind of in a shift of how you even set goals for yourself, or if you set goals for yourself. You know, our family has a goal for this summer, but even that is more like we're going to do certain things each week. And that is pretty close to the sum total of what we're doing. And I, I think that might be an extension off of how I'm personally operating. Like there are certainly events and projects that are coming up that are multiple weeks and months out that I need to be preparing for. But I don't really think of those as goals per se. Honestly, I think because of me being in the tech space and things move so fast that it's hard to really have like a three or four month goal of sorts. Like I know what time is going to take to build out some of these services and products that I want to offer. But, you know, some of those are likely to be out in the next two weeks. Some of them could be out in the next nine months. But it's not really about the time frame as much as it is about like, this is a thing that we're working towards. And there is a right way to do it. We just haven't found that right path to get it done quite yet. So we're not really setting time frames on it as much as trying to get the thing done. 
So I, I tend to operate more on just a weekly basis and just say, okay, this week, this is what needs to get done. And that frankly has been as about as far as it goes. So I, I've kind of moved away from those goals in some form or another. I, I just really don't do that much anymore. And I think that maybe that has helped clear you up to to do something like starting Procourse. Right. Maybe being goalless in a sense has, well, obviously you are not goalless, but taking less time to set goals has made you feel more like everything can be uncharted and a bit different. So that I think that's good for this season. And I guess that could bring up the question too is, what's the difference between a longer term project and a goal? Right. They're kind of the same when you stop and think about it. Right. We have a whole episode called, is it even good to have goals? So you don't have to tell me twice. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm not set Been on, there. I'm not set on goals. I don't think that they're necessarily the best thing anyway. So <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. Have you, have you felt any differently about having a home office set up? Is that still something that feels a little weird to you or are you feeling fine about it now? I still think I need to get some form of offsite office. I, I think that is definitely going to be something in my future. I honestly just don't have time to think it through as well as I would like right now. I think I'm too swamped with this thing is now out in the world and there's a, quite a large number of folks asking for help at the moment. And I know that that's just a temporary influx, but it's an opportunity right now. So I I don't want to pass that up. So I'm trying to keep up with the influx at the moment. And I think once that levels out, or I at least get enough people to help uh, to help accommodate that, I think once I get to that point, then uh, an offsite office is very likely to be happening and quickly at that point. That might be good for you. But with the amount of emails that you're getting in, it doesn't seem like that's a major need. Seems like you're doing A-OK with your home office. At the moment, yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> How do you manage that many emails, by the way? Goodness gracious, that's a lot of email. So... Local time right now, it is 3.15 for me, mm -hmm. and we started recording this, or I jumped on here at about 2.30, and here's the other thing too. This morning, we actually made a Costco run as a family, so we left the house at about 9 o'clock this morning and got home at about noon, had lunch, so that meant that I had about an hour and a half this afternoon to work on email, and I had about 45 minutes this morning before I left, so I've got about 2 hours and 15 minutes on email today. And in that amount of time, I've gone through about 220 emails. So it's a lot. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. Yeah, it, that's a kind of an extreme number. Most of the time I'm dealing with about 120 to 150 a day. Uh, so th again, that's kind of, that's because of this influx right now. The way that I do that, uh, what's the app? I don't even know what the name of the application is that I use for it. Mailmate is what I use for email. It's partially because MailMate has, it lets me write emails in Markdown and like everything I do is in Markdown in some form. And so I get to write in Markdown and I get to reverse sort my email. So I'm looking at the oldest ones first at the top. And then the third aspect of why I'm using that is because it uses the Gmail keyboard shortcuts, which I ran Gmail for a long, long time, and those are just ingrained in my brain, so I love having those. So yes, that's what I'm using for email nowadays. I rely heavily on Text Expander yeah. for things because I know I have five questions for a new client every single time. Like These five questions I need answers to, and it helps me define what my scope is every single time. So that's purely a Text Expander snippet, and then I think I've got maybe 25 other 
snippets of some form or another that spell out individual pieces like here's my terms of how I do things mm. or you know here's the information I need to get into do a migration or yeah I mean you name it and because of text expander in that sense like I can tell what response I need to give back to an email pretty quick and once I get all that typed up anyway what I'm getting at is I cycle through them very quickly as a result so I'm spending maybe 10 to 12 seconds per email for most of them yeah uh, sometimes less than that and for like my current active clients there are some of those that would take me five or six minutes to collect what they need get it typed up and sent back to them but honestly it's you know, I don't have a lot of my active clients that are sending me emails because most of them are putting me on their internal Slack channels in some form there. So I am on, oh, I should look this up. You'll, you'll get a kick out of this. How many Slack teams am I on right now? You want to take a guess? Oh God, no, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I am on 42 Slack teams right now. That's so many. I don't even understand how you can be on so many. <laughs> well, with those, I'm. It, it sounds impressive, I guess, but it's you learn how to deal with them. Like I'm pretty good with like they don't ever give me notifications. None of them do. Mm -hmm. But I will have like the ones that I'm currently working on. My active clients, those are set up to where they'll give me a badge of every new post in our shared channel within their Slack team. And once the project is complete, I turn even that off mm -hmm. so that I'd get nothing from it, except whenever you look at the list of the, the icons and such, it'll show you that little white dot that's there to tell you that there's something new. Like once a week, I'll run through them all just to make sure there's nothing I've missed there. But that's how I'm managing a lot of my active client conversation is just through that but it's on their systems not mine i am part of can you guess how many slack channels i'm a part of mm, two three nailed it yeah <laughs> nailed it that's yes, kind of normal exactly. i think isn't that the average yes. it's like two or three slack channels is kind of the average anymore it seems like yeah at least with folks in our space and i am like extremely passive in all of those channels i could i could log out tomorrow yeah. and no one would ever realize that i was gone kind of vibes so yeah man <laughs> oof a, that that many channels and that many emails too you know i've never been a person that gets that much email i i and do you have like a LinkedIn? I do have a LinkedIn, yes. That's partially because the the ag corporate world I worked in, everybody was on it. See, I think that I just somehow managed to to bypass all these things. I get like okay. a handful of emails every day. I get and and some days I get zero that actually matter. I don't have a LinkedIn, so no one can contact me there. I just I I think I missed all this stuff. There there was never I never had any kind of corporate track in my background. I went right from college to the creative industry and I just sort of started it myself. You know, the the very beginning of me being a creative was me and my friend kind of bootstrapping a creative business and starting to sell uh off of Craigslist. Like it wasn't yeah. there was nothing in there that was taught. We just were were completely self-taught, completely self-trained. And so I don't know. I, I feel like I missed this whole world of billions of emails and dozens of Slack channels and all of that stuff. Even when I worked for a, a pretty substantial company, I didn't get that many emails because we had processes that sort of took care of that for me. But 
Sometimes I'm like, that sounds kind of fun, but I, I do not think I would like to trade places with you. <laughs> I think having that many emails is is, is a is a bit of a, a daunting experience that I'm I'm pretty happy to keep my inbox fairly low volume. I will say that being on that many Slack teams and like here here's a good example. Two days ago, I was doing my run through of all of these Slack teams and, you know, just doing the flyover on them. And I ran across a previous client that I had done some work for. They were talking about, because they have a, a discourse channel on their team that I was a part of. And that was when they were first getting it up and going. I did some theming for them and so on. Well, they have continued to have conversations about how they're using it internally on that channel. And whenever I saw they had some issues with how they were setting it up and they were trying to solve a specific problem that they had on their community. So I chimed in and just asked, I was like, okay, well, just so you know, the features you're talking about don't exist in discourse today. But like, here's an option. Like, we, I could do some consulting with you and help you figure out how to do it. Or I could build you something that does exactly what you want. Or here's another way to do it without even doing anything custom. Well, that actually led to another project, which meant more business for me and the guys that are doing some work for me. So because of that, now I've got another project that I'm working on to, to be able to do that. So that... 10 minutes when I'm doing a flyover once a week has led to a handful of projects like that, which more than pays off the time that I put into doing that. So I'm okay with it. I just am very particular about the notification side of it because that would be a nightmare to see all the notifications every single time somebody posted on all those. Can you even imagine? I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that my phone would ever quit. Like it would just, because these teams are international for the most part. So it's not like it would quit day or night. No. So I just, no, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> no thanks. No thanks at all. I'm happy to keep my, my extremely low volume channels as low volume as they are right now. There you go. Is one of those like a family channel, like friends and family sort of thing? I, I know a lot of folks who do this. No, actually, um, all of friends and family stuff gets done through uh, iMessage. I have quite a few iMessage okay. conversations, including I just noticed today that especially with the people that I share my office with, we have like four or five of them going because, you know, one of them would be without one person and then one of them will be about a specific topic. And I was like, man, we we really do have quite a few of these iMessage threads that all, I wouldn't actually want to delete any of these. I think they're all pretty cool. Right. The, the Slack ones are all just specific to either business stuff that I'm tangentially connected to. Um, and in one case, it's the Slack for Alt-MBA, which is the program that Seth Godin teaches. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's it's actually a pretty cool. They have a alumni channel which has I don't know hundreds or thousands of people. Where every single time that they graduate a new class, they get dumped into this one Slack, and it's really cool. It's yeah. actually quite neat. They have a lot of interesting things. People are promoting their own various projects or asking for help. And I went through a period of dormancy where I wasn't checking it, and then I checked back in and realized, oh my gosh, there's actually some really cool activity on this channel, and now I check it probably once a day. Yeah. Um, so that one's a cool one. But yeah, no no friends or family. I know my wife is on one with three of her best friends from high school, and they started off on a private Facebook group, and they there was one incident I wish I, I should ask. I don't remember what it was. There was an incident where somebody posted something, thought it was private, but it wasn't. No. And like they got it on got it on the public deal instead of the private group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
no more Facebook. Yeah, I don't remember if it was like super sensitive or not. I I'm gonna have to go ask. I don't remember what it was. Even if it wasn't, it just is a bad a bad thing to have. Happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Uh oh, that that whole thing, like yeah. the panic moment, that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my wife asked me, okay, we have a problem, and I need some tech help. Like, what can we use that wouldn't be a Facebook group? Well. To me, Slack is the perfect example here, but that's for a lot of tech folks. I'm not sure that that's going to go over well with you and your friends. If you want, I'll help you set one up, hand it over, try it for two weeks. If you don't like it, we'll tear it down, try something else. And they've been on it now for, I think, two and a half years, maybe three years now. And they absolutely love it. I think the one restriction they have, because they're, of course, on the free setup for it, uh, one of those can't go backwards Four, yeah, they can't go back far enough if they're searching for something. And one of those four absolutely loves doing that. Mm-hmm. Just going back in time to see what someone said two years ago. And that I think actually may drive them away from Slack. And, you know, something I've set up a handful of times is a, a an alternative called rocket chat. It's an open source version. I run one for pro course internally. And that doesn't have that restriction because you set it up on your own server Mm. and and run it yourself, kind of like what you do with Discourse. So they may move over to that as a result of that whole scenario. But I just think it's interesting that the four of them have been using Slack now for a very long time uh, just as a friend group. So it's kind of interesting to see that. Do you have a pro course Slack setup? I set one up. I don't know what I'm going to use it for, though. It's not for the pro course team. Because we're using Rocket Chat for it uh, internally, and that's partially because I just don't want to pay for it. You know, if the team continues to grow, I don't want to be paying for Slack to do that. So I I haven't figured out if I would use the ProCourse Slack channel as a way to communicate with clients who don't have a Slack channel and that are on retainers. Like that might be what I use it for. But I have a public discourse instance for it as well. So I may use that yeah. instead. I don't know. I haven't figured it out. I went ahead and reserved it just so I had the name on it, but I haven't decided if I'm going to actually use it for anything yet. Well, it sounds like it's all up and running, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now I just got to keep up with it. Like, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> this is the classic growing pains thing at the moment. Well, it's better to have to keep up with it than to have to keep pushing it into full steam. So right. I think that you have a good problem on your hands, that it's successful and that there's lots of interest and inquiries. Yeah. And I'm interested in what your version of this is. So I'm, I'm curious. You've definitely dangled the carrot in front of me at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that part of the challenge of starting a business, and maybe you experience some of this as well. Uh, for me, I think it might be even more so because I'm still trying to define exactly what the business's purpose is, where you knew pretty well that it was it was development-centric, even if that's not the entirety of it. Right. I'm still even kind of saying, what is the what is the core of what I'm creating? But just figuring it out and really defining it all is a it's a real challenge and i think that once you get over that and you get on the other side of that issue everything starts to feel much more clear but i mean how long from well i i think that we've probably we could go and consult the episodes and find out how long but you know from hmm i think i have an idea to pro course now exists how long did that take you do you think oh that's a good question <sighs> I don't know that I have an answer to that. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I feel like the 
the way that we got to, uh, or the the way that I got to the point of saying Procourse needs to exist, I think is what you're getting at. Yeah, is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Um, getting to the getting to that point was partially my own understanding of the discourse marketplace. That would be step one. And then step two, the discourse team actually reached out to me saying that they felt something like this needed to exist. Interesting. And my comment to them was, maybe I'll get to that point, but I'm not sure. And that's been some time ago now. And it's been only recently that I've been realizing that the more of these discourse projects that I do, the more that people are asking for them to be done. And when I started to do some subcontracting and letting it grow and just starting to say yes to as many projects as I could and then seeing how many guys it took to accommodate those, the more I did that, the more I realized, wait, this is actually possible for four or five people to drive a full-time income off of. Right. So here we are. Like, it's like okay, well, if that's the case, when well, we might as well make the jump and, and just say this is what it is and, and call it what it is. So I, I can't really say like there was a, a set moment per se as much as just slow realizations that, okay, yeah, this is growing. Okay, well... That means we need to do this, and that means we need to do this. And if it's going to grow to that point, then I got to do this. And next thing you know, we're announcing Procourse. So that's <laughs> the way it's kind of just slowly morphed. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty intentional then, even from the beginning of someone kind of telling you that it might be something worthwhile. Did you have people in your life that were kind of pushing you to do it too? Or Most people in my life don't have a clue what I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the, that's the whole working on the internet dilemma, isn't it? Yes, it is. I love overhearing conversations when somebody asks my wife what I do. I love overhearing that conversation because she has no idea how to explain it. I love her, and she she understands the stories of what I do when I tell it to her. But hearing her attempt to reiterate that to someone else, that's entertaining for me. That's amazing. <laughs> so I would say, you know, I, I get some pretty good advice on, like, managing teams or how to kickstart a business or run it. Uh, at a higher level, but the technicality is of how do you do this with an open source platform that you're building on top of? Like that nuance is very intricate, at least to me it is, but I don't really have anyone that, that I can bounce those particular ideas off very often. I mean, there's one guy that I have a phone call with on a regular basis that we can kind of do that, but it's not super, not super regular. The best way I tell people is, Discourse is forum software. It's highly extensible, and people need help setting it up to do what they want it to do. And that's where I step yeah. in. Like, that's the best way I've come to explain it. And just trying to explain, <laughs> you know, if I, if I come in and say, it's an open source project, it has the ability to build plugins and theme it. And there are a lot of companies that need help doing that. So we write the code that allows them to. I've lost it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just, it's boring to to explain it to that way to people who don't understand uh, how the web works. It, it's boring in that sense. So uh, I find it entertaining when other people try to explain what I do. That's that's the culmination of that whole topic right there. Well, 
now that you are business owner, Joe, I mean, you have been obviously for a while, but this is a little bit different. Right. Any advice to give to people who are considering going out on their own and doing something like you are, but following your footsteps and moving from freelancer to business person in this way? Yeah, I actually have two of the contractors that are working for me are wanting to get to the point where... I am, which is a little bit counterintuitive for some people because like, well, why are you employing them? Like they want to step into my space in some way. Like, well, sure, but I'm I'm not really one of these guys that gets bent out of shape over competition. So, you know, in their particular case, what I've been telling them is, you know, creating things for an open source project like what we do is building something that I can give away just to get your name out there. And then slowly building your way up off of that. If you have a day job, do not quit it to do this because it will take time. I've been building on this this business concept for close to three years now. So it's not like it's a quick overnight deal. Uh, but it really has to do with starting with something small, slowly building up your client base, and then slowly growing bigger and bigger clients as well. Because most of what's gotten me to this point is scaling not only the amount of work but the size of the work itself so it's kind of a twofold growth mechanism there and then it eventually gets to the point where you have to i don't want to say incorporate because i haven't technically even done that but you start having to bring a lot of people in to help you keep up with it Mm. and then you have a whole nother set of skills you got to learn it's just a forever learning process i think and i think as long as you're willing to to embark on that learning process that's the important part here so that's what i would recommend to you drew go for it but you're Uh you're most of the way down this path at this point i think like that's that's my understanding of the the world that you're in is you've been doing that for some time and you're now considering making that jump to formal company yeah Uh, at least that's my perspective but sometimes some everybody just needs that little extra push to make it happen (laughs) just just do it just jump out there 